We've heard the tale of musicians finding composing, but our guest today says that composing found him. We're going to talk about that and so much more today on On the Fly Filmmaking. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hi, everyone. I am Mary Lou Mandel, your host today on On the Fly Filmmaking. And every day. I don't know. I, that's what I, my name's on the sign. But I'm the host. We don't rotate for this one. But I've got a really awesome guest today, Scott Doherty. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Fabulous composer, musician, rock star, badass. We've learned all sorts of stuff. <laughs> We've learned all sorts of stuff just in our little chat right before the show, which I love. Revealing. Yeah. So before we get started, let's tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Social media, Facebook, Scott Doherty Music, mm-hmm. um, Instagram, The Barking Squid. The Barking Squid. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I want to know about, about this. Um, how to describe a singing multi-instrumentalist. Oh, that's <laughs> fabulous. Hands. You yeah. are creative. It was I'm just the imagery. To talk to you. Uh, and uh, what else do we have? Twitter, um, Scott Doherty, TBA. Mm-hmm. And that's the announced. Barking Squid. Oh, uh, no. Twitter oh, is TBA. TBA. Yeah. That's not the Barking Squid. That's a, the, That's not it. That Instagram is the Barking Squid. Yes. And I, TBA. I, I should have one name yeah. for everything. It should be like Scott Doherty TBS yeah. as the Barking Squid. It took me a but, while to... What's TBA? TBA is to be announced. To be announced. It's, uh, when you would go to clubs. <laughs> so I, I, I was really you know reluctant. On the social yeah. media, just I, I could tell through like know. little like, different so, identity. Everywhere. Yeah, as I move forward, I mm-hmm. realized you know you can have some more fun with your names. Um, yeah. But the TBA was actually an inside joke against myself. Okay. When I was coming up playing in different bands, mm-hmm. I first moved to California um, as a teenager, and I kept seeing this band on all of the calendars that said TBA. Yeah. I didn't realize it meant to be announced. Yeah, but you're like, this band, band is everywhere. I said, this band is, must be the greatest They're thing about in to town. I gotta go see them. They book all the time. That's brilliant. So, so for Twitter, it's my own, making fun of myself. Yeah, yeah. That's really brilliant. I would love to see like a little short film or something that was chronicling the rise of TBA yeah. from like a fan's point of view. Why hasn't someone done Let's it? do that. Yeah. Yeah, Don't take it. We're making this movie. All. Scott and It'd I, horrible. we're producing this. <laughs> we're definitely producing this. Awesome. So you now currently compose music for television and film. Correct. Yeah. So that is something that we, we've talked to definitely a few different composers that all work differently and all have kind of gotten to where they are in different ways. Mm-hmm. But... The origins always start in music, which is yeah. really great, and, yeah. and like creativity and things like that. So I want to talk uh, first about uh, the, the projects that you're working on right now. So mm-hmm. most notably right now, you've been doing the music for Orange is the New Black for, yes. was it now, six seasons? Just started writing for the sixth season. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank and that's you. a show... That if you haven't watched it yet, it's on Netflix. It's amazing. And that was one of the first big hits on Netflix, wasn't it? Yeah. We were the third release, I believe. I mm-hmm. think it was House of Cards. Fourth release. House of Cards. Then um, Hemlock Grove. Mm-hmm. Arrested Development than Us. Yeah. And we just and, talked to the uh, composer for Hemlock Grove, too. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It it was wild. We, um, you know, I found out that, that Netflix... Uh, was going to be doing TV shows on yeah. the streaming network. And they had, I think Lily Hammer was already out, but okay. it wasn't part of their mm-hmm. their official branding. And uh, and so we just didn't know what would come of it. Right. You know? and, and I was working with a different composing team at the time, and 
there was some hesitation mm-hmm. and and you know definitely got the comments of you know what are you doing you know working for Netflix yeah and then the success of House of Cards mm-hmm. you know obviously great show start getting great feedback and then uh, you know Arrested Development Hamlet Grove were well yeah. received and started thinking well oh maybe this is maybe a thing. this is something and now it's definitely a thing yeah. and I remember when. When online networks started happening, and I was working with a, a group of people who were like trying to start a production company, it's like we need to produce content that's meant to be online. Yeah, and they're like, no, like no TV, like we need to make TV yeah. and movies. I was like, no, we need to make TV and movies, but like just know people can binge watch it, make it in a set, yeah. release it all at once because we were already watching things on DVD box sets mm-hmm. all at once, like sitting all yeah. day, oh, yeah. ordering a bunch of pizzas. And then and, came the cell phones. Yep. And then you take it with you everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And now it's huge. Yeah. It's great. It's mind-blowing. I mean, yeah. I, it's, it was the little show that could for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, That's so great. And yeah, then I, I, I want to talk uh, later when we get into production details about producing it, like if you produce it all at once or episode by episode. But we'll get sure, into sure, that sure. a little bit later. Uh, the other projects uh, that you are working on, uh, you just finished up a documentary about Kevin Aquad. Yes. Yeah. It's called Larger Than Life. Yeah. It just uh, premiered at the Hampton Film Festival, and then it's going to be at the Doc NYC Festival mm-hmm. in a few weeks. Yeah. And uh, it's a brilliant story about a brilliant human. And, yeah. Um, became friends uh, and got to know the, the producer and the director through mm-hmm. working on another project. And, uh, and, and they took the leap of faith. The yeah. project we had worked on was more of like a rock and roll, yeah. gritty New York soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to do something beautiful for this film. Yeah. I, want, I want the music to represent the Kevin's person. artistry. Yeah. And, and if you guys uh, don't know who that is, he is a makeup artist that was very big in the 90s, so worked mm-hmm. with... All of the the supermodels, like he yeah. created, like the faces of the supermodels and rock stars. Yeah, and, like he worked with Janet Jackson and Tori Amos and um, Barbara Streisand and yeah. Jewel. And and, he, and when I was a, like, I would go to the bookstores and I would find his books. He the had these books of uh, yeah. making faces, yeah, making faces and face forward. Yeah. And I would just sit there and like I learned how to do makeup from yeah. looking at these yeah. books. And I was too young to be wearing makeup. And that was his intention was that he didn't want these secrets to be secret anymore. Yeah. He wanted everyone to know how to find what they thought was beautiful. Yeah, and uh, like as an artist, he was really great, and he was an activist, and he was very yeah. openly gay yeah. before it was fashionable to yeah. do that. I remember seeing him on House of Style mm-hmm. on MTV yes, House at of that Style. time, right? Yeah. Uh, Todd Oldham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it was just, you know, between the, the, the people that were on the, sh- on the in, involved, the characters in the documentary, and, and what he had done just for the world and yeah. for the LGBT community, mm-hmm. for so many reasons I wanted to be a part of yeah. it so I had talked to the producer and went with uh, my composing partner Will Gold and we sat down for lunch and uh, and we just told him like we promise it's not going to sound like this other show we right. had ideas we wanted to use a string quartet and use some other synths and grateful they trusted us and all worked out good yeah. yeah oh I can't wait to see that that I'm very very excited about and then also recently there was a pilot that's come out called The Holdouts, yes. which I watched the trailer of that and it's amazing. It's, it's so I like, cannot wait to see it. So we're going to watch a little I bit know. of this trailer yeah, sure. and then check that out. Excellent. I have always wanted to get a drink at this place. I mean, like I've read about this place. Oh, oh, oh. We are now closed. Thank you for having us for the last 92 years. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> going to be at Chipotle. I like Chipotle. CBGB's Mars Bar, Joe's Diner, Blatt Billiards, Cedar Tavern, McHale, Kenny's Castaways. It's all gone. 
They won't be happy until this whole island is one big Dwayne Reed with a Starbucks inside and an IHOP inside that and a Bank of America inside that. I got drunk with Joe Franklin in this place. Hey, don't get bummed. I'm gonna drown myself no, in that puddle. No, no, Where are guys like us supposed to go? Where, where are you? I found a new Brooklyn, man. I'm in Croton on Hudson. Where have you been? Read the papers. Croton on Hudson? I got a pool, I got a house, I got a French toast joint down the street. The place is unbelievable. I, I'm, I don't really eat bread. I got fresh farm eggs here, huh? Hello? So great. I cannot wait to watch this. I really think that this is going to be something that I'm going to enjoy. And like Kevin yeah. Corgan's just fabulous to watch. And the consummate New Yorker. Yes. And like that is the guy yeah. that I want telling this oh, story. He's, just, yeah. And he just won an award for best uh, actor for this one. Yes, uh, it was at a, at a Denver uh, television festival. Yeah. So uh, great. Oh, it was great. It was great. And we got to go there and, and be there and be supportive mm-hmm. and... It's just the greatest crew of people, but that was where we did the more gritty music. It's not mm-hmm. us in the in the trailer for right. it, um, and and it was, you know they they loved what we did, we loved what they did, but uh, but so different than the Kevin Aquan story. Yeah, and has this uh, show been picked up? <laughs> uh, there's they're in in talks with people. Okay. I'm not. I really hope really that it gets picked to say, up. But All right, but we're gonna too. put it out there in the universe. The trailer is great, yes. but the pilot is. It just slays. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And, and it's such a, a good story. It's very timely. And, like, even here, like, living in L.A., I find that sometimes, too, where I'm yeah. like, oh, like, it's just all chains now. And, yeah. like, I can't even afford yeah. to live in well, that's the bad part of the L.A. creator, Stephen uh, Girsulo, he, he, you know, has lived in New York since was born and raised. Yeah. Jace Bartok, who's the other actor with Kevin Corgan, also born and raised in New York, and so was Kevin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had been friends, and Stephen wrote this amazing script with Kevin in mind. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's so true to life, and so now it's more relevant than ever. Um, there's a kind of a landmark preservation society in New York that they've been working with. Yeah. Where they track all of the oh, restaurants and bars that are closing. And so then, like, I would imagine the series then is, like, to these real places that are getting yeah. shut down yeah. or changed into it's, something else. Or, yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely comments, especially in the opening. Mm-hmm. You see all the different bars that have been yeah. shut down, and, mm-hmm. and you just don't want to lose the essence of a city. Yeah. Like, you know. like, things need to grow and develop, but then also... Exactly. But, you know, a little tangential, but... When the cities are coming up and people they're building like all of these bars, yeah. those people who are in the community then are probably like, "What is this riffraff? Yeah, yeah. what is this craziness?" Well, and then it becomes thing. iconic. Things things do change. Change is inevitable, but mm-hmm. I guess it's how you change. Yes, with grace, with class. That's right. what you hope like, for. You just know. like just thinking a little bit about yeah. the history of things. Yeah. So good. I it's think that that's wonderful that they're that's it's, that's getting put I out there. Wait till it comes out. Yeah, yeah it's so good. It's good. So, so good. 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 And then you, as far as like. Getting to this point, you're a musician, and you do more than just composing. You sing, you play guitar, and you also play piano. Play piano. And like everything, right? Play bass, yeah. Yeah? Um, It's funny, I, I... just do all that for composing now uh-huh. um, and that's been just in the last few years but I I work all of those things into score yeah that's great um, well we've got a clip okay. of you playing House of the Rising Sun which is one of my favorite songs ever <laughs> I love it so we're going to check that out yeah this is a uh, I can let it roll talk mm-hmm. after
that this was just a somebody was filming it in the audience yeah. and like captured you and, doing and, this and sent me an email like a few days later and said, "Hey, I caught that last song." Yeah, and it was such a gift. And what was know? the what was the event? Like, what were you doing? It here? was a show. I was playing at the Hotel Cafe. Okay, I had uh, I had. I had fronted a band for eight years and had taken some time away from that. And then I thought, maybe I want to try it again. Eight years in a band. And, uh, Can you say what it is? Yeah. Ah, no, no one needs right. to know. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Backstreet Boys. It no, was a great band. It was a great band. But um, so this this was years later, and I had written just a bunch of songs and as a, just a solo artist. Yeah. And... I just felt compelled because I suddenly just got this writing bug. Like, the muse uh-huh. was just screaming at me. And uh, so I said, well, I guess I should book a show. Uh-huh. And so this was the first show, just back as a solo artist, just as my yeah. name. And uh, it was the end of the night, and I saw that the Hotel Cafe has got this great piano, so we just decided to wing House of the Rising. Yeah, song. just on the fly. You said that you just asked them, like, just hey, can you guys play band this? members, yeah. It was a great group of guys. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a song everyone's... I would hope fairly familiar with, yeah. and uh, and so that yeah they just they just killed it and it was one of those just magical great energy moments yes. and so the fact that he had that cell phone video of mm-hmm. it I was just yeah so happy good yeah. good and then, then they reached out to you and gave it to you and yeah now yeah. you have, now it's yeah. floating around the internet yeah. for us to yeah. use <laughs> well, awesome yeah. the secrets out yes um, and then you so you've been in bands and that. You said like from connections and people that you knew ended up into composing. Yeah, well, it for for years just just being a, a musician in L.A. I mean, I was I was always asked to do something for something. You yeah. Know? So I mean, I think even back to my early twenties, I remember um, someone asking me to do uh, uh, write a song specifically for a show that was on Lifetime. I didn't think much about it yeah. at the time, but um, I had always been exposed to film and TV. I had, mm-hmm. Most of my friends when I first moved to LA were actors and writers, and and I'm a huge film and TV lover, and. Uh, so, you know, I, I would just kind of dip my toe in the in the water a little bit. And then I was about to put a band together again. Okay. So I had the band I was in. I did the solo project. And then I met these two guys that I just really liked what they were doing musically. Yeah. And uh, so we got together to have a meeting. It was a friend that said, you need to meet this producer. So we talked uh, for about an hour. And we quickly realized we didn't want to be in a band. Yeah. But we really liked each other. We okay. liked where we were coming from musically. So he said, well, you know, I know a music supervisor over at this network. And I, I knew uh, someone that uh, had I'd just done some work on a documentary. Mm-hmm. She was a music supervisor. So we said, well, how about we be a band that does music for TV? That's a brilliant concept. Or it's the dumbest thing or ever. Or awful. Yeah. It's, but, but you it's, know, you think like starting a band at all can be brilliant yeah. or awful. But we just had this vision that we would be operating like doing a record, but mm-hmm. instead we would do it for shows. Right. And, and is this uh, your team that you work with for Orange and New No, York? this was this before that. One. Okay. Yep, it was a so group, you've done this, uh, this kind of thing a, a few times then. Yeah. 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 I, I, I enjoy collaborating. Yeah, it's I, good. Uh, you know, I do work on my own, but mm-hmm. I just think it's always great to, it's, if, if you have musicians that you're fans of is to bring them into your world. Yes. And, you know, it's reactionary scoring off of each other, off the picture. It's just great. Oh, good. Um, anyways, it's, uh, that's neither here nor there. But uh, so this... This uh, this group we called American Matador. Okay. And the next day, I was actually back at the hotel cafe, and I immediately ran into the one music supervisor that I knew. And she was no longer doing films and documentaries. She was now at a network. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, you know, what are you up to? 
She goes, I'm just working at this place now. And I said, uh, actually just started a band that does music for TV shows. She said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, Making what am I doing tomorrow? For you. <laughs> Hopefully. That's brilliant because yeah. you like put it out there like, yeah. all right, fine, let's try this. I couldn't believe it. I called the guys up from the club. Uh, we met that night and yeah. we spent all night long putting a demo together and we beat out eight other seasoned composers wow. because they said we sounded the most like a band and that's what they right. wanted. They were looking the producers, for yeah, that thing. Had to, and we had no idea that's what they were looking for, but they said it sounds like it came off of a record. Mm-hmm. So and that, so that was the start of, of getting into scoring. Yeah, w- which is so great. And that's something that I like, try to talk to uh, creatives about a lot when they're like, well, I want to do this thing, but I don't do that. I don't do this thing that way, you yeah. know, and I run into that myself sometimes, but this just goes to show you that there yeah. is a place for the thing that you do. Yeah. You know, the thing that you do Absolutely. doesn't have to be like what other people well, do. Or at least to get you in the door. Yeah. And I think, you know, once I, I, I did that first show, mm-hmm. it, it's luck, you know, I've always been told luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. This was a lot of luck because the production company that hired us, uh-huh. the vice president, turns out went to high school with my partner and they didn't know until we went into our first meeting and they were friends they hadn't seen each other in a long time so he said I didn't know that you were scoring he said yeah "Yeah, that's what we're doing so he said well why don't you do our next show why don't you do the next show and so we scored probably eight or nine shows or contributed music sometimes uh, for their their production company it was just unbelievable but what I was saying is that you might not think you are the person or you have the skills mm-hmm. but once you get your foot in you can learn yeah and so i think through that confidence of realizing you know i'm doing season after season of these shows well how do i become x type of composer or how do i learn this yeah. and it bought me time yeah know? that's great because you you're already in there so now you're like all right now i've got a little bit of wiggle room to try and figure things out yeah, exactly and uh, suddenly you give yourself permission yes because yeah. you, you, you've got the confidence, like, I don't have to worry about booking the gig. I booked the gig. Yeah. Now, let's execute. And that's my whole musical life has been that way. I'm that's just, like, great. tumbling along. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> lucky, but, I, you know, it's, it's, it is the preparation mm-hmm. and the opportunity. I mean, yeah. if anybody is generous enough to ask me to do anything musically... I'm going to go above and beyond. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I'm like, me and my hippy dippy friends, we're like always talking about manifesting things. And you said, let's do this in this way with these kind of people. And the next day it shows up. It was literally the next day. That's wild. And the hotel cafe has a velvet painting of a matador in their back hallway leading to the restaurant. You do name it because of that? No. no that just happened no, to be there? It was just you that. are some uh, magic. I'm just going to hang out with you because you, the, the force is strong with this one. Well, I've had downs too. Okay. Just like everybody else right. and defeats, but you, you always yeah, learn. And you, I think that's the thing. You just, you you can say that you're willing things to happen mm-hmm. or that you're just allowing things to happen. Yeah. I think sometimes I'll talk to younger composers or younger musicians and they get tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And it's like the band that just says, until we get a record deal, that's it. Nothing's worth yeah. anything and life is terrible unless it happens. But you never know what else could possibly happen. Right. You know? And then we, we've heard that tale with a, a bunch of the different filmmakers and composers that we've had on the show where they maybe were aiming in one direction. Yeah. But they allowed and they gave themselves room mm. to explore and try different yeah. things and ended up somewhere and wonderful. That's what unlocked the door. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I realized years ago 
that I just want to afford to play music. Yeah. And I said, you know, if, if I just keep my, 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 you know, my affirmations as broad and wide mm-hmm. as possible, then I'm not going to really be let down. Yeah. You know? so yeah. It's like, wide it's, net. Yeah. It's a wide net of, of but, possibilities. That's so yeah. great. So then let's uh, chat about like some specific production stuff. So like with yeah. Orange is the New Black, you are now working, it's Brandon J. and Gwendolyn Sansford. Yep, yep. Right, husband and wife. Team. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, composing team. And they had done the show Weeds on mm-hmm. Showtime, which is uh, how they met the showrunner, Jenji Cohan. Yeah. And um, when uh, they finished Weeds, they knew that Jenji was developing a new show. Mm-hmm. And... They, uh, you know, just finished seven seasons of a show mm-hmm. where they had had a new uh, baby, um, just had moved, and they were just overwhelmed and and kind of searching for how this new sound was going to mm-hmm. develop. And we had all played in each other's bands through the years. They knew that I was now scoring. And uh, so they said, do you want to come over and just talk about this show? Yeah. And uh, so I went over and... I said, uh, what are your thoughts? And I said, well, you know, this is what they're asking for, and these mm-hmm. are some of the references they've given us. I played piano for a little bit, showed them some ideas. And Do you know what some of the references were? Do you remember? Well, Regina Spector was one of the right? big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Genji's a huge fan of Regina Spector. Yeah, and, and you can tell that, that, like, through the, the opening yeah, song. Yeah. yeah. And so we had that piece of information. Was that song thinking, already in place? Um, the You've Got Time? I don't remember if it was. I, I think... I don't think it was at the time, because mm-hmm. I remember when we saw the in- intro. Eh, I could be wrong. Okay, it's just so much has happened. Gotcha. I know it's a, it's a long time and been um, a crazy ride. But I remember, you know, talking to the music supervisor. They threw out, you know, like Tom Waitsy, Carnival, just, mm-hmm. just really. We weren't sure at the time what prison was going to be like. So we were thinking the sound of prison, like the literal sound, like mm-hmm. the sound of metal, the sound yeah. of, you know, these reverbs that mimic concrete walls mm-hmm. and just hollowness. And, yeah. and so those were the thoughts. But I had just started playing some piano. And I, this is what my instincts were for a sound. And uh, my partners said, just keep playing. We're going to walk outside for a minute. And they came back five minutes later. I said, do you want to be our partner in the series? And I said, That's yes, amazing. I really do. <laughs> yeah. And then as a team, then you're, you're going yeah. through and composing. So yep. now, so we're six seasons into this. And we know with a Netflix show, they release it all at once. It's not the same as a, a week-to-week show that you yeah. would release on television. Yeah. Uh, even so, they do that online sometimes. But, like, Orange is the New Black is all at once. So in in that process uh, of that being released, where do you guys come in? Well, it's it's usually, I think we're about three or four episodes mm-hmm. behind. So it's, it's okay. similar mm-hmm. to, to a network or a cable, but mm-hmm. it's is not it faster, that slower? week to week to week. The first season felt the same. Okay. I think, I just remember we were, we were, seven days you know, and then to a the week next for one. months. And yeah. just I had a suspicion that they would next. still produce it in the same sense because yeah. that's just a formula that's yeah. worked. They just yeah. don't have to release it all yeah. in that way. And it's it's changed a little bit now, and it, which gives us more time. And, mm-hmm. Well, it gives us more time off. Yeah. I just remember that, okay. that first season was just... And, and you know, it's the first season you're discovering the sound of a show and you're mm-hmm. coming up with themes for characters. Yeah. Um, but I think I think they were about three or four episodes ahead. And it's the same, kind of the same schedule. We go in on a Thursday for a spotting session, mm-hmm. which is where we watch the episode with the producers and the mm-hmm. writer and uh, the editor, and they've tempted in music, and then we... Uh, 
discuss what we like and what we don't like and what's yeah. working and what themes mm-hmm. might be able to still be used. And uh, we have about five, six days to do mm-hmm. all the writing, and then we meet after that for a music review. So yeah. it's still a very small window. Um, the difference is, is that you don't get any audience feedback. Right. Because you know. now it's just all out there. Yeah. So there's no adjusting later in the all season. All 13 episodes like, you've great. done. And we will yeah. decide after the season if yep. this is working or yeah. not. Oh, that's interesting. So we had we yeah. had done 13 you know, hours, essentially. So much music to of make. music, and they created 13 hours of a story yeah. that we had no idea. Right, because you, like, you, you kind of could approach it like a movie, but it's like many movies. Yeah. It is similar to scoring a 13-hour movie, because yeah. you have to think that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix was really helpful in the first season. I think they they had kind of that uh, that forward-thinking right. knowledge where, where they had a few notes on the music, and they said, you know, we, we don't want to interfere, but just remember that this is, nothing's forgotten after the first episodes. We assume yeah. people are just going to keep watching. Right. And we didn't. Right, because it's like, who does this? Yes. sit down for 13 hours and watch a show. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> sit there. It's so great. Oh. Like, this weekend, I know that uh, Stranger Things is coming out. I'm like, Saturday, you guys are not going to see yeah. me. But it was, it was the best advice. And I remember they had asked if we would consider tying some threads on a few yeah. character themes. And, uh, and I remember Genji saying, if you want to do it, go for it. If you don't, we have your back. Go. You know? Okay. So you kind of had that freedom to, like, explore that as an option. Yeah. And we did it. We did said, it. you know, if, yeah, this is, like if, if you, you know can. this is going to happen, I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. You know? It's like a, it's a service job. Yes. You know? <laughs> I'm here for you. Yes. Let me create yes. for you in the way Absolutely. that you want. Absolutely. And so the with, I, I really like talking to the composers and, and learning about these like character suites that you, you that I think all the shows end up having. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and are there any that are particularly your favorites? Oh, I liked... Uh, Suzanne's mm-hmm. uh, crazy eyes, yeah. um, her themes because she had so many wonderful flashbacks. Yeah, that's definitely the one that stood out to me. Where I was and like, they would yes, make their I way back into prison. So mm-hmm. we'd always have to find a way to establish the flashback as its mm-hmm. own thing, not sound like prison. And right? Then yeah, also you're basically be able scoring to two totally back different stories. Yeah, we'd yeah. kind of rough it up a bit. What? Yeah. Um, so next level. <laughs> porn stash was one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> so we were sitting in the meeting and the music supervisor, we, we were just deciding what does porn stash sound like? Yeah. And he's like, sounds like a Kawasaki dirt bike. Yeah. <laughs> That's said, great. And I love this. Right. Like the, the process of like, okay, we've got a character. What does this character sound like? And yeah. it's a thing yeah. that maybe not a music person, but they want, I, yeah. I get what a Kawasaki dirt yeah. bike is. Yeah. It's, I know, and that's, I think that's where, like, language, uh, it's great when it goes beyond musical terms, mm-hmm. you know, and it's great, especially working with people in production, that it can't be, uh, you know, I think he sounds like a D minor chord. Yeah. It's not I don't work. know what that is. No. It makes no sense no. to me. And I think it's, you know, the more outlandish the suggestion, you know, mm-hmm. the challenge is good, but it also usually will click like immediately right. I heard a sound in my head when he said good. that um, and, and because you're collaborating the what you hear is that might be different than what one of your partners hears that but you put it together yeah. and it's like extra full yeah and sometimes that's we, we will be in a room together and work on a theme sometimes mm-hmm. we'll divide and conquer okay and, um, but it's uh, I, I think we can tell through each other's enthusiasm because mm-hmm. now we try to work together as often as we can. Right. Um, but we can tell through each other's th- enthusiasm when we have an idea, you know, if it's I got it. Yeah. I trust it. 
Yeah. You know, and if it's, uh, well, let me think, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, and it's naturally we've allowed each other to have space mm-hmm. um, in that way. Yeah, and, and it's great, cause, and you do it both ways, like like what you said, you do it by yourselves and then sometimes on this team. Yeah, especially the first couple of seasons, there was mm-hmm. a lot of, I would go back to my studio mm-hmm. and, and just work and work and work and then I'd go yeah. over to their place we'd all work and work together yeah. <laughs> and then you know my partner Brandon would stay up and he would work it was, it was so much work to do on that show because right. there's so many characters Yeah. Um, and so to establish a sound like uh, we established the sound of prison mm-hmm. um, but in that first season the score's really dense mm-hmm. we just threw everything yes. at it but, and then realized that you know when you're working with themes, it's it's uh, less can be more. Right. You, know, you don't have to work that hard. It's yeah. about the the melody that you're using, mm-hmm. or about those I- identifiable instrumentation. So it, that that worked itself out after the first season. But there's some cool music in that first yeah. season. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think Netflix's comments really helped. Okay. I think that really registered for us. Yeah. What kind of stuff did you get back? Um, just about the themes. Okay. Just there was a few characters that they felt could have. A thread, mm-hmm. um, and then we just unlocked it for us, you yeah. know. Because with the flashbacks, you know, you're you're also looking to establish time periods, mm-hmm. you know. So we try to, if it's in the '80s, we're going to bring out more of the synth into yeah. the into the episode. If it's in the '70s, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, it just it, it wasn't obvious at first to us. We didn't really. We were so focused on this sound of prison, right? Because it, when um, you you get like the the concept of Orange Is New Black, it's like women's prison yeah. and women dealing with being in prison. Yeah. So yes, of course, that's where you're going to go first. But yeah. then when you start to actually get to know the show, it's about characters yeah. that happen to be in prison yeah. for the main storyline. But then we're here, we're learning everything else that could be in any part of the world, yeah. any time period. And I think they were adjusting too to you know I think. Uh, some of the characters, I don't think they had planned on mm-hmm. having much more of a story yeah. for them. But then, whether it was the actress or actor was so incredible that mm-hmm. they became more featured. So I think it, it, would, it took that first season just to see for all of us where, right. it, where it was going. Like, I, I will like speak here? for them, but I just my assumption. Yeah. Because um, at first it was just Piper. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're we're. Piper's being used as this vehicle to allow mm-hmm. us to she, like, just identify gets us to <laughs> and takes us into prison. Yeah. You know? So that was the main character that we were focusing thematically. Mm-hmm. And then in, in just around her, but then as Crazy Eyes, as Pensatucky, as these other yeah. characters started to become more major players, then it became a necessity to, yeah. to develop their themes. Yeah, such a uh, wonderful... And so you're discovering probably the same way that the Netflix like execs people are discovering too. Like They uh, were probably surprised, like, oh, actually... Yeah. Yes, let's yeah. give more of a thread to this. Yeah, it was it was just a handful. It wasn't like we had to, you know, yeah. spend no, weeks we, doing something. But that's but, where like client notes can come in, and like you know, I I, I struggle sometimes where I'm like, oh, why? Just let me do my art, and yeah. then you, so, you get it. You're like, no, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. It takes a while to learn that because you you feel like you know your art is your baby, and yeah. they want you to change your baby. It's my baby. Okay. Um, but I I think you know notes are are the most thrilling things to get yeah. because you still want to preserve your voice mm-hmm. but you have to find a way to do both you have yeah. to find a way to honor the note and and usually the note is spot on mm-hmm. it just it might not be uh, apparent at first right you know whether it's the language that someone's using or just your perspective you haven't 
allowed yourself to look at a scene in that way. Right. It, it um, becomes so close because you've decided this is how I see it, and then yeah. it's, it, it is hard to shift out yeah. of it. We're like, well, I've already made it. a decision. It's, yeah. it's there already. Yeah. And so it, I remember that was one of the, the, the most important things to learn as a composer is there's no bad notes. Yeah. You know, because oh, it's that's really good. easy, yeah. especially we're coming from the rock band world. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to get combative. Yeah. Um, not that I ever was, but you have those thoughts. Right. You know, you have those thoughts of the letdown of, oh, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. You know, and now it's the other direction. Now I assume everything is going to be, you know, scrutinized and hated and and people enjoy it. Oh, you good. Know? But it's, okay. it's that you, you, you shift because you understand that you cannot get inside someone's head. They mm-hmm. can give you, you know, uh, initial input what they would like. Mm-hmm. But it's still not, it's never going to be specific enough where you can get things guaranteed perfect every time. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's nice. Like, I like the note process. I like when you get to dig deeper and, mm-hmm. you know. What kind of uh, tips do you have for creatives at home that are, are maybe just starting to be in an industry where they're getting notes? Yeah. And they, they're, they're trying to adjust to that. I would say keep your language really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes people try to dwell on the specifics of why something is not working mm-hmm. um, and instead make it more broad. You know, um, I would say... Um, don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, it's never, you know, because it's a job as a composer is, is to help tell the story. Mm-hmm. And it's also to be a team player. Yeah. I mean, we're not, it's not our story that we're telling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're helping to tell the story. Right. So it's like being of service. Um, but also, you know, it'll take sometimes five, six tries, mm-hmm. you know, not often, but there are the cases. I know with the holdouts, we were looking for the main character's theme. And the the director gave us great notes, mm-hmm. and we misinterpreted them. He had oh. given a reference of a, of a of a certain musician, and uh, that had put an album out in the '60s, and it's like a rock and roll thing, and 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 so that's what we assumed it was. But he was thinking about this other period. Oh. And he was going through. Yeah. So the first three or four passes, we were clinging to this. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, you have to be able to ask questions, too. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to know what to ask of a producer or of a director if mm-hmm. you feel that you're not getting it right. Um, but asking questions that aren't going to be confusing. Right. And then I've I, something that I've started to learn and be able to execute is not necessarily holding it until it's a version that I feel really solid solid about if I'm unsure like I'll show them something that's a little unfinished and be like hey this is unfinished I just want to make sure we're on the right track just to get some feedback exactly and then that just helps so much more because now like they feel involved and you're like you get some validation like okay cool we're we're on the right track or like oh it's totally wrong great let me let me make it right oh yeah because there's nothing worse than you've spent all the finishing time and and labored over something and then to find out that you went the wrong direction yeah Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I've definitely like gotten to things where I'm just like this thing is great we're gonna send it it's just gonna be perfect they come back and they're like ah actually and I was like like, all right all right yeah Mm -hmm. I should have showed you earlier and that's natural when you're first starting off on any Mm -hmm. tv show I mean you have to find the voice of it and I know we had more time at the start of Orange uh, with the pilot where we were allowed to first just send a bunch of music in yeah. and just listen. Mm-hmm. 
And then with the pilot, I think it was like two or three weeks we had to do it, which was fantastic. Right. And then right after that, it became and then it goes. Yeah, five days. <laughs> right. Because it's like two to three weeks. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a great idea to sit if you can get a, a, a rough scratch of something mm-hmm. or if there's, you know, reference material. But um, but sometimes even then, you yeah. know, you'll still chase around and you'll have to send <laughs> six scratches. You right. Know? Um, but once it's right, you mm-hmm. know it's right, and everybody feels good about it, and that's right. what you want. And then, the, so the, the collaboration is really good. And so you like, it seems like you work really well collaboratively within your own team and with the teams that are hiring you. Yeah, yeah for sure, which is for good. sure. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I've. It's funny. I, I try to just be really happy. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. I. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, when I'm working, I'm very serious about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. Uh, but I don't think, you know, it's like I can't ever take myself too seriously. It's mm-hmm. like I, I look at it, like I said, it's a service job. You yeah. Know? I want to have my voice. I want to, you know, try my best to make everything really authentic emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I, whether or not I am, I, I am feeling like the muse is talking to me that day, I still have to show up and do my right. best work and have it be inspired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it's, you know, I write a lot of music that's like, sounds more horror, sounds darker. Yeah. So when I meet people and they're like, I don't, I'm not sure if you're a guy, I play them some music. They're like, why are you so happy? Because your music is not that way. Because <laughs> it's expressing itself in different ways. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, I, uh, I'm, I think it mostly comes from gratitude. Yeah. I think, uh, it's a good way to be. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, uh, they're far worse things to be doing and I got really lucky being able to play you know music every single day of my life yeah um so and so now you're playing music every single day do you get to play with any weird instruments like do you have any like really out there things that you've made music with I have friend studios that have those yeah I just had uh this this uh friend of mine that's a well-known musical glass player mm-hmm. and his name is Doug Lee and uh and he's he's kind of my go-to guy when I need the we need the strange things I'll I'll pull out odd things but it's more like pots and pans kind of yeah. thing but he's um he creates all kinds of incredible instruments that are based uh either with glass or with metal mm-hmm. um and I just used him on a on the uh, Kevin Aquan uh documentary mm-hmm. and I had uh a, a upright bass player that I asked him phenomenal upright bass player and I said I don't want you to play any notes with your fingers I said I want you to to bow and I said and I would love to see just how distorted you can make it Mm -hmm. because he would he would would run a take and he would say no 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 no, I'm sorry there was there was some noise I said actually it's that's what I'm looking for that's what we want it was a painful part of the documentary okay and uh and it involved you know physical pain and so I was trying to have this kind of juxtaposition between these two instruments. Right. And uh, if you bow lightly on a, on, a, on any stringed instrument, you get a harmonic, mm-hmm. which is kind of a higher frequency okay. above the note. It's pretty shrill. Mm-hmm. And I had the glasses, which are beautiful, but again, you can get shrill tones right. out of them. And uh, so I, I usually, I, I know lots of, of musicians in L.A., and luckily there's really creative bunch yeah um, so let, let's chat a little bit about then how it was different uh composing music for a series than this like documentary that's a uh, movie is it was it all at once are you getting scene by scene the documentary was all at once um so they give you a cut of the movie it was a cut but it was still a rough cut okay um so we knew 
things were probably going to be changing. They were just, we caught them in the 11th hour. Mm -hmm. And I think we had about 10 days mm -hmm. to do the film. I think we had... Uh, 29, 30 pieces of music mm -hmm. uh, for the film. It was, it was, we knew what we were getting into. Yeah, and you did that one as a team? Uh, that was with my partner, uh, Will Golden, okay. uh, who I also did the holdouts with. Right on. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we, we, but we worked together for the entire process mm -hmm. on that one. We had uh, two studios. It had my studio, and then we had him set up a little mini studio. Yeah. And, uh, you said how many pieces of music? It's about twenty nine thirty. Yeah, and then so how are you breaking that up? Are you looking thematically like one piece of music can be used multiple places, or like that one piece of music is just the opening? I th you you know you want to do what's right for the picture, right? And I think you know thematically you're going to hear versions of the mm -hmm. of certain characters' themes and certain aspects of Kevin's life as a theme, um, but there was an overall evolution and I guess arc to the mm -hmm. sound. So we're starting in Kevin's childhood mm -hmm. and it tracks him through his whole life. And so the music definitely starts more small, more innocent, more happy, you know, yeah. and, and I don't want to give anything away about the film, but, you know, it does start to develop darker tones and get bigger as the film moves on and, and it's called Larger Than Life. So yes. we knew, you, you know, know you at some point in time it's got to be a bigger score. Yes. <laughs> um, so there were themes um, and they evolve, but there was definitely like a, just a longer arc for yeah. the whole It's like one long evolution until we get to the end. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the, you know, that that pressure for those last few moments of just yeah. making sure you're doing it justice. Right, because it's a real life exactly. thing. It's like different than a narrative fun story where yeah. it, the pressure, I definitely can feel yeah. that. Yeah. You're like, you want to honor this person's yeah. life, their legacy, their family. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's so many moments where you you want to make sure that you're you're not over dramatizing things mm -hmm. and, and that you're you're uplifting in the right way because yeah. you kept thinking about his family. Yeah, last know? thing you want is somebody's auntie who's like you know been healing over this and they watch the movie and they're like, oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It be yeah. like awful. Yeah, how would how would I feel? I'd be yeah. terrible. Yeah, no, um, you want to be like, oh no, that is how yeah. I feel. Yeah, we got, well, we had wonderful feedback. Um, from everyone at the production company, and and I think you know when you have ten days to do a film, mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of chances to to redo or to to do pre production. Or yeah. to, so you just have to pick a voice and a sound and go and go for it. And by the end of it, once we had it mixed and turned everything in, you just have that feeling. What did what did I just even write? Yeah. <laughs> so we got the uh, you know the emails and from New York, and everyone was just. Floored with a score, and yeah, that's when we're looking great. at my partner, I was like, yeah. "Let's go back and listen to it. Let's see what we did. <laughs> what did we do?" See, and I, I love hearing that stuff. Like you, you scored this movie in ten days, very crunch time, and like I will toil over like an edit on an Instagram photo yeah. for ten days. For ten days, you know. I know. And it's like, no, you just some, you just yeah. got to make it. The pros yeah. are making movie music yeah. in ten days or less. So well, sometimes get it, out there. the best stuff comes out in a short period of time because yeah. you don't get to overthink it. And yeah. it's just you know shooting from the hip. Mm -hmm. um, but I get it. I mean, I yeah. my 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 early moments in scoring, I wanted to be so precious yeah. about every moment and mm -hmm. polish it and just make sure it was perfect. But you realize once you um, once you get on certain productions, there's no room. 
for that right you know and so you start learning a new way to work and new yeah. tricks and that's where a lot of background work really helps mm-hmm. if you have downtime in between projects that yeah. you're researching sounds and you're finding new instruments or meeting new musicians mm-hmm. and so that when you do get into those situations you've already had ideas that are being generated yeah you know? so what do you mean by background work well for the first few seasons of orange is the new black I had uh, I was still doing sessions with bands and still, you know, kind of mm-hmm. trying to live both lives. And then I realized how in love with scoring I was. Yeah. And how many ideas I had. So I just started finding education wherever I could. Yeah. You know, whether it was uh, yeah. What are some resources studying that you have? some other composers? YouTube's one of the best. Yes. I mean, that is it's the internet itself is mm-hmm. one of the best. Do you have any any channels or outlets specifically that you've like to go to or you just like search all over the place i mean i think it's a combination of of music centric searches but also looking up uh you know documentaries about filmmakers or behind Mm -hmm. the scenes on films Mm -hmm. because knowing all aspects is great yeah you know watching shows like ours yeah yeah Yeah. and then sound creation you know I, Mm -hmm. i started uh you know learning more about orchestral composition and and uh you know then developing my own synth sounds and started collecting vintage synths just it's kind of coming at it from all sides, right. you know, and that's what I mean by that, like that background work. Mm-hmm. It's just that you, you don't take a break and then go vacation. You right. know? It's like you want to be ready for that. Your next project that your, your toolbox is that much mm-hmm. more full or that your voice is that much more rich. Yeah. Um, and now it's a compulsion. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to, no, to definitely. stop. Like, yeah, as a uh, creative, like that's, that's how I am. Like I, you know, I, I work full time with that. I was like, okay, I'm going to take some time off. To go work on some personal projects, and yeah. you know, they're like people are like, "What are you going to do for vacation? Where are you going?" Yeah. I was like, "I'm going to make art projects. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go to the desert and yeah. do photographs with smoke bombs and yeah. burn myself. Yeah, and try out this new gadget that I got from my camera. Yeah, and, yeah. I'm going to go fly my drone yeah. and go practice that because it becomes a compulsion. Or you're like, I must, I must yeah. do this. Yeah, and that's where I, I don't know, for lack of a better word, that's where greatness comes from. Yeah, because it is, uh, it's no longer about doing it for for the ego of it do it for money you're doing it because mm-hmm. you are compelled because you create. must yeah you have no other yeah. option yeah, awesome do you have some uh tips technical tips for people who want to get into music composition like any instruments they should learn or programs that you suggest they go after i i you know there's, there's always that great debate of what's the best program mm-hmm. to use for scoring and i think it's you know from what I've just talking with people, it's what you feel comfortable with, right. what inspires you. Mm-hmm. could be the easiest thing. I've always said it's not what you use, it's what you do with it. Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, but there is, a, there is a company that I absolutely adore. They're, um, uh, they, they, they create samples, mm-hmm. and uh, I almost don't even want to say it because I want them to stay small. Oh, and unknown, but <laughs> no, Spitfire Audio in London. Okay. I, I love how they present their instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, they they find the most unique instruments to sample. They do incredible orchestral libraries, uh-huh. and they're just they're these these uh, two guys that run this company in London that are both composers, um, and they know what we all want as composers, mm-hmm. and they're hilarious. They find new oh, ways. Wonderful. They put out an email the other day that looked like it was accidentally sent from partner to partner. 
and it was a forwarded message. Yeah. And I, 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 I knew right away. Right. But at the same time, if you were new to the company and you had just signed up their mailing list, and what it was was a conversation about a sound they had just created, uh-huh. and him, you know, the other partner That's saying so how clever. thrilled he was yeah. to get it. And at the very bottom of the email thread was the download link mm-hmm. for the new sound sample for free. Yeah. You know? That's so fun. That's a really good it. way to present that. And then you're, you're, they sound amusing and entertaining. Yeah. Along with being yeah. able to do the, the oh, music they had that you one made. that was like a Area Fifty One, like a, the like a, this this kind of alien thing, yeah. and it's and it's not gimmicky. It's there, you know. Once in a while, it just yeah. gets some. There's an artistry to it, but what was the resource again? Spitfire Audio. Spitfire Audio. Yeah. Audio. Audio. And they have um, a section uh, where they they offer plugins to composers uh, that are, like, I guess, the conversion in dollars would be like three dollars each. Okay. Probably about twenty or thirty, but all proceeds go to UNICEF. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, it sounds like a really, really for great company. They're great. Yeah. They're one of the best I've ever. I wish all companies would model themselves yeah. after Spitfire Audio. Cool. So then, uh, for your journey, is there anything that happened along the way that you you wish you would have known earlier that you can share with people as advice? Wow. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, Which is like really interesting because sometimes people are like, "Nope, everything was the way it was. It's great." Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think. I think I would have I would have spent more time um, just just developing and, and learning how to have a unique voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Do I you think. feel you have that now? I feel like I'm on my way. Yeah, right. Like on. I, I feel like I do, but I feel like it's it's you can still keep going deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know what I feel I do now is I show up all the time and even if something is comes to me easily mm-hmm. I will still take the extra steps to make it great yes. like I'll never settle for good and I feel like early on in my music career not my composing career but early on my music career I would settle for good because things came really easily uh-huh. you know for me in, in, in certain aspects um, but I think that's where you need to push yourself more if you feel like you're good at something, find out how to be great. Yeah. You know. With find the next level. Yeah. Oh, and, that's and wonderful. I don't know if that ever truly happens, but it's definitely it was a regret that I had, I think, in my twenties is that I, I've had a wonderful experience in my twenties playing music and playing with bands. But I just didn't think I knew that if if you get to that place where you feel good and you push yourself even further, like don't be afraid of being great. Yeah. You know? That's good. Uh, I think that's really wonderful uh, advice and, and I'm so happy to hear that you Set out on this mission to play music all the time, and now you do. Yeah, yeah and I'm sure it's going to continue to twist and turn. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having really me. Really appreciate it. Tell everyone at home again where they can find you. Um, Facebook, Scott Doherty Music. Instagram, The Barking Squid. And um, Twitter, Scott Doherty TBA. Awesome. Oh, and then I wanted to ask one more thing before we left. Yes. I saw that you did a Reddit Ask Me Anything, and I've never done that. I don't understand Reddit. I open up the website. I don't get how it works. I'm fairly new to it. It it was fantastic. I think it's still open and ongoing. So if someone goes to the Reddit Ask Me Anything for Scott Doherty. Yeah, you can get more information from you. I'll answer more questions. Awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you so much again for joining us. Make sure you check out Scott's work, Orange is New Black. And there is the... Larger Than Life, Kevin, a coin story, and the holdouts, which hopefully we'll be able to see sooner than later, because yep. that I'm super excited oh, about. Super awesome. And then I'm Mary Lou Mandel. You can find me all over the internet at Mary Lou Mandel. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel if you want tips and tricks for your digital content creation. And we will see you next time on On the Fly Filmmaking. 
from producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.